Welcome to Hillside Baptist Church Podcast. We are a church that is committed to preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is our privilege to open God's word with you. It is our prayer that you receive the message from the man of God with an open heart. That through God's word, you are encouraged and equipped to face life's challenges. But most importantly, it is our prayer that you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior if you haven't already. If you'd like to connect with us, you can do so at hillsidebc.com, find us on Facebook, or send us an email at info at hillsidebc.com. We hope that you benefit from today's message and that you would share it with a friend. But let's now open our hearts and God's Word. John chapter 21, we are very quickly coming to the end of our study in the book of John, and it has been such an exciting journey as we've seen the life of Jesus and we understand Him a little bit uh, greater in a fuller way. And this week, on top of that, we celebrate Valentine's Day. Isn't that sweet? <laughs> Obviously, he's excited. He doesn't even have a girlfriend, but he's excited. Amen. And so we're thankful for that. Uh, you know, really, I was thinking about Valentine's Day, and I thought, why in the world did we celebrate Valentine's Day? And, and I'm convinced of this. I think a woman designed it to make her husband buy her chocolate. I'm pretty sure that's, that's where it originated from. You know, I think maybe it's just so that we remember to say, hey, I love you. Uh, you're important to me. There was a little girl who was talking to a boy that she liked, and she said, do you love me? And her response, his response was, why, yes, I love you. And she said, well, she wanted to know how deep her love was for him and, and uh, for her, excuse me. And, and so she said, well, would you die for me? And he thought about it for a moment. He says, no, it's an undying love. Listen, we don't always understand what love is, but I think Jesus kind of laid it out for us on the cross. And as we look at this, we're reminded, encouraged by what Christ has done. And here we see it in the book of John, just so beautifully poured out for us. But you know, men, sometimes it can be kind of hard to understand what love is, right? I remember those early days of dating and, and your heart goes pitter-patter and you get all excited when she just walks in the room. Well, a young man was, uh, had just come off of a date, and he, he had, uh, the night before, and he was sitting with breakfast at, with his dad at the table, and he says, Dad, I think I'm in love. And he says, oh yeah, well, well what makes you think that? Why are, uh, what makes you think that you're in love? He says, well, you see, he said, I think I'm ready to get married. He says, well, how do you know you're ready to get married? He said, well, you see, last night I was kissing uh, my, my girl, and her dog bit me, and I never even felt it. You know, that's not quite what the definition of love is, is it? You know, sometimes we get a little bit confused about those things. Someone once said this, and I liked it. Love at first sight is easy to understand. It's when two people have been looking at each other for years that it becomes a miracle. As uh, my wife and I age, it's easy for me, but sometimes I wonder about her. Uh, but listen, seeing a couple in love in, uh, for over even a half a century is a powerful motivation for a young couple. Love itself is powerful. In the Our Daily Bread, they had a story that said uh, during the 17th century, Oliver Cromwell, who was the Lord Protector of England, sentenced a soldier to be shot for his crimes. The execution was to be taken place at the ringing of the evening curfew bell. But the bell never sounded at the time it was appointed. 
And so uh, the soldiers went to investigate and they found that the fiancé to this soldier had clung desperately uh, to the inside of that bell and as they rang that bell, it battered her back and forth and back and forth and Cromwell had her brought before him to account for her actions and as she wept, she showed, her, uh, showed him her hands and her back that was beaten and she, uh, she begged and pleaded for the life of her young uh, uh, fiancé. Cromwell's heart was touched and he said, Your lover shall live because of your sacrifice. Curfew shall not ring. You know, love is a powerful motivator, isn't it? And we think about all that the Lord has done for us and her sacrifice is an example of what the greatest sacrifice of all time when Jesus stretched out His arms willingly. They didn't have to hold Him down. He willingly laid down His life. As we said multiple times, that Jesus was never a victim of the cross. He was the victor. He was the one that desired to be there. He was the one that yearned to be there for you and me. And God has demonstrated His love. He declared His love and He demonstrated it. He declared it when He says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He declared it, then He demonstrated it. Someone once said, It is natural to love them that love us. Amen? It's normal when people treat me nice to be able to love them back, but it says it's supernatural to love them that hate us. And that's the kind of love that God has for us. You see, because even before we loved God, even before we knew Him, we were even counted as enemies. The Bible says then, as husbands, guess what? This awesome love that God has, you're to have it for your wife. Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for it. Isn't that an incredible, incredible calling? I say it's that same kind of supernatural love that God had for us that we're commanded to have for our wife. C.S. Lewis simply said this, Being in love is a good thing, but it is not the best thing. Love is a deep unity maintained by the will and deliberately strengthened by habits reinforced by the grace which both partners ask and receive from God. On this love, the engine of marriage is run. Being in love was the explosion that started it. So as we come to John 21, we're going to look at the love that God has for us. And specifically, we're going to jump to verse number 15, and, uh, and we'll come back to verses 1 through 14 later. But we're going to see these last few verses here in this chapter, because I, I couldn't help but think that one of the greatest expressions of love was Christ's expression of love to Peter on that, on, uh, after he had denied him, after he'd forsaken him, John records one of the most powerful moments of all of history when he records this this simple account here. So let's look together in John chapter 21, verses 15 through 25 together, and we'll see the steadfast love of our Lord. It says, So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? And he saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And he saith unto him, Feed my lambs. And he saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And he saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And he saith unto him, Feed my sheep. And he saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, Thou knowest all things, thou knowest that I love thee. And Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. 
Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thine hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, Follow me. Then Peter, turning about, seeing, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved, following, which also leaned on his breast at supper, and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? And Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Then went his, this saying abroad among the uh, brethren, that, this, that that disciple should not die. Yet Jesus said not to him that he should not die, but if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? This is the disciple which testifieth of these things, and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they would, uh, should be written, everyone, I suppose, that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. And all the church said, Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this reading of Scripture this morning and for this wonderful text and this glorious account of the steadfast love of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. So God, as we come to the Scriptures today, would you just bind our hearts to you? Lord, would you renew in us a steadfast love for Jesus, but also in our homes that that might be manifested to one another. So God, we look to you uh, for hope in a uh, wicked and cruel world. And Lord, until that day, we pray that you'd find us faithful. In Jesus' name, amen. As we look at John 21, there's no doubt in my mind that, that God demonstrates a great love to, uh, to Peter. Peter was often a man who had uh, the, heart, the cart before the horse. He'd get his foot stuck in his mouth. He was, had to have been an expert surgeon so he could surgically remove that foot out of his mouth many, many times over. Listen, what we see is the primary mark of every single disciple has always been a love for God. As a matter of fact, if you go to the Old Testament, the Shema, and this confession of faith testifies this in Deuteronomy 6.5, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart. It says, listen, this is the declaration of who we are. Do you love the Lord? Later in Deuteronomy, Moses would also exhort Israel to manifest the love by obeying God's commandments. He says in Deuteronomy 11, verse 1, Therefore thou shalt love the Lord thy God and keep His charge and His statutes and His judgments and His commandments always. When Daniel was praying to the Lord and he poured out his heart in prayer for his people, he addressed God as the covenant-keeping God, full of mercy. He was, he was talking about the great love of the Lord. In Daniel 9, 4, he says, And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made, and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love Him and to them that keep His commandments. Listen, uh, Daniel knew that the steadfast love of the Lord uh, would sustain him. It was Moses that knew the steadfast love of the Lord. And today I remind you that we can know the steadfast love of the Lord. It was Nehemiah also echoed David's, uh, Daniel's prayer, Nehemiah 1.5. And he says, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love Him and observe His commandments. You see, the theme of a loving God is a repetitive theme. We see that in the writings of David in Psalms 18.1. I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. And we see he testifies of his love to God. 
The New Testament also teaches that love is the mark of a true believer. Matthew 22 and verse 37, Jesus said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. It's a repeat, if you will, of Deuteronomy 6.5. Jesus carries that through into this, uh, this New uh, Testament. Paul would later write in 1 Corinthians 8.3, But if any man love God, the same is known of him. Let me ask you, do people, when they think of you, do they think, this is a man, this is a woman that loves God? And may that be our testimony. But he also warned this in 1 Corinthians 16, 22. If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema maranatha. You see, only those who love God receive eternal life and inherit the kingdom. Peter said this in 1 Peter 1, 8. Having not seen, ye lo- love, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. You see, love is that driving, compelling force that motivates us to serve the Lord. Love is that driving, compelling force that motivated Jesus Christ to the cross. And today, let me just encourage you that it is this same love that is demonstrated to Peter. Peter had learned the hard way what it means to truly love Jesus Christ. If you remember Peter's life, he was not a perfect man like many of us here. Amen? This is what I love about Peter is he was just so real. And and, and you can very oftentimes, we can go to Peter, we can look at his life, and we can be reminded that that his life reminds us of my own. He he oftentimes failed the Lord. Sometimes he did great things for the Lord. But yet over and over we see that uh, that Peter was someone that God would use later. When uh, Jesus was with Peter and the other disciples, there at that Last Supper, Peter declared his unfailing devotion to him more than once. He said in John 13, 36, And Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, whither, thou, whither goest thou? And Jesus answered him, Whither I go, thou canst not follow me, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. And Peter saith unto him, Lord, why cannot follow thee now? I will lay down my life for thy sake. Short while later, in uh, Matthew 26, 33, he records this. Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. We know the outcome, right? We know what happens just a few short hours later, because when the chips were down, Peter's self-confessed love failed, and he openly denied Christ three times. He even, denied, he even cursed and he went back to that old nature and that old man. You see, his uh, fake courage proved to be nothing but empty talk when facing this threatening situation. Really, we think of Peter and we think of his failures and it highlights the biblical truth that obedience is the essential evidence of a genuine love. Do you love Jesus Christ today? The Bible says in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. Do you love Him? I think about this coming Tuesday, and many of us will uh, uh, try to do our best to uh, demonstrate love to our spouse. And man, what a, what a sweet time it is to see couples together uh, and, uh, and, and just holding hands and, and, and demonstrating love as a husband and wife should. And, and what a sweet encouragement it is. But listen, if you love them, you're going to buy those roses. Amen? You're going to buy that chocolate. Where's the women here today? Are y'all asleep? Give me a good amen, women. Maybe it's a shotgun you want instead. Is that better? Amen. Well, 
1 John 5, 3, John echoed this of the Lord's teaching. He says, For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. And this is what he says, and His commandments are not grievous. Why? Because we love Him. Because of what He has done for us. He added this in the second epistle uh, as we go on here. He says, And this is love that we walk after His commandments. And this is the commandment, that as ye have heard from the beginning, ye should walk in it. Jesus knew that if Peter was to play the crucial role in the early church that, he, that Christ had chosen him for, he would need to be restored. Peter had gone through just a terrible situation. And we're going to look at uh, this in detail this morning as we look at John 21. And starting in verse 15, we're going to see that their steadfast love is first and foremost determined. Last night we had a wonderful time at our uh, Valentine's banquet and Brother Dale Bigham spoke for us. We did a wonderful job and he reminded us that one of the most essential elements uh, in a marriage is what? Commitment. We've got to be committed. That's what Jesus was showing to, uh, the, uh, to Peter here is, listen, I'm determined to love you. I'm determined to stick by your side. I'm determined uh, to be steadfast in this reality. This passage is one of the clearest examples of redeeming love. Because when Peter failed Jesus, it would have been easy for Christ to have just ignored Peter, to walk away. But instead what we find is Jesus sought out Peter and then He restored Peter. But the love of Christ, we see this demonstrated here for us. We see through tragedy. On the night of Christ's betrayal, what we find is Peter had acted like the old man. He had cursed, he had lied, he had used language of the old man. So instead of calling him by name, look at the scripture here. And Christ calls him Simon Peter. He said, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Now if you remember, when he first met Peter, he gave him a new name in John 1.42. He says, and when he brought him to Jesus, and when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation of stone. No doubt, hearing Christ use the old name was really like a stab in Peter's heart. When Peter had made his confession that he believed that that he would go all the way to to death with Christ, and when Christ had told Peter that he uh, uh, that he would uh, excuse me, when Peter had told Christ that he believed he was the Son of God, Christ referred to him as Peter in this situation, Matthew chapter sixteen, verse seventeen and eighteen. Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it to thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, Thou art Peter, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He reminded him of the brand new life that he had through Christ. But now Christ goes back to that old name, Peter. That old man that was guilty of sin and and wrongdoings. Listen, it's not until we find forgiveness with Jesus that we can be released from those things. Remember when David was, uh, had sinned against uh, the Lord by committing adultery with Bathsheba, and then he tried to cover that sin up by committing murder, uh, the murder of Uriah, and he hid that sin, not for a short time, but for quite some time. And the Bible says in, in Psalm 32 and verse 3, he says, When I kept silence, my bones whacked old through my, uh, through my roaring all the day long. He says, listen, when I kept that guilt and I just continued to let it dwell on the inside. He said that it just literally tore me up as the only relief came to David when he was willing to confess his sin. 
You see, and that's finally what happens here with Peter. He confronts the sin of his failure. He confronts the sin of rejecting Jesus Christ. And Jesus here, even in this moment, as he's confronted with this sin and this great tragedy, Christ loves him back to him. There's a couple of things that are interesting about this passage that sometimes just a cursory glance makes us miss. Three times Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? One time he uses a comparison, lovest thou me more than these? And then he asks him, do you love me, a second time. And then the final one, do you love me, he changes even the Greek word there, uh, so it's a slightly different meaning. But each time, Peter didn't, looks like he says, yea, Lord, I love thee, but it uses a different word in the original language. And we, what we find is Jesus was asking this, do you agape love me? Do you love me with uh, an unconditional love? Do you love me with a purest form of love? Do you love me with a godlike love? And each time Peter answered, Lord, I'll be honest, I don't love you like you love me. I just love you like a brother. He said, I can't love you like that. I can't possibly love you like you're asking me to love you. It's impossible for me. And so as, as Christ comes to Simon and, and he comes to Peter and he asks, asks him this simple question, lovest thou me more than these? Let me ask you, what do you love about the Lord? What do you love more than the Lord? Now this morning I thought about bringing my fly rod in. Then I thought about bringing, uh, bringing my gun in as an illustration, but I, I was afraid I might scare y'all. Because sometimes we can elevate these things above the Lord. Sometimes we can elevate uh, our possessions. They can be more important than our love for God. Sometimes it can be a person. You know, it's, it's possible for us to elevate the love of our children or the love of our spouse above that of the Lord. It can just simply be me, myself, and I. The biggest one I thought about bringing was a mirror. Sometimes we can love me more than Him. And as Jesus was there on that, at that seashore that day, let me remind you, in the very first uh, 14 verses of this chapter, the setting is that he is right there among the fishing boats. They've got the fishing nets spread out. They, the big catch had just been brought in, and God had done a supernatural work. And he was, asking, uh, he was asking Peter that day, do you love me more than all of this worldly stuff? Let me ask you, do you love Jesus Christ? Peter realizing after this great tragedy that, listen, I can't love you like you have asked me to. He just simply says, Lord, I love you the best I know how, and that's with a brotherly love. You know, sometimes we may even bravely testify, I love you, Lord. Peter's initial response was obvious. And we see in Matthew 26, 33, Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. We had read that already. We saw his, his uh, brazen response in verse number 35 in the same passage. He said, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. We see this brazen response, but now he's been knocked flat on his back, and instead of his self-confidence, self-made man, we see a man that is broken, a man that has been humiliated because of his rejection of Jesus, and with truthful admission, he finally says, Lord, you know that I don't love you agape. I love you with a phileo love. I love you. I love you because my heart is fickle. You know that it's impossible for me to say I love you with that same kind of love. So all I can say is, Lord, I have a deep affection for you. 
Let me ask you today, how would you respond to Christ? If you were to put yourself on that seashore walking along uh, there, the Sea of Galilee with the, with the Lord Jesus Christ, and you have all the things that mean everything to you in the world scattered before you, and Jesus asks you, do you love me more than these? What would your response be? And sometimes we, we, can, we can oftentimes be hard on Peter because of this situation. We can be hard on him because he had failed Jesus Christ. But the reality is that when I look at Peter, I see oftentimes my own fickle heart. Can I get an amen to that? What I see is my own failings because I'm oftentimes I too am much like Peter when confronted with that opportunity to witness instead of opening my mouth, my, my mouth is quiet. Do I love Jesus more than I, I love myself and what others think of me? Yesterday we had the privilege of meeting new neighbors that just moved in next door to us and had just a wonderful time just visiting for a few minutes. My wife had made some homemade bread and taken it to them and uh, we were visiting with them a little bit. And the whole time my son Josiah is telling me, Dad, invite them to church. Dad, invite them to church. I, and finally I had to tell him, because he's right here trying to, and we're trying to, in the middle of a conversation, I finally had to tell him, I will, just let me get there. He was my little Holy Spirit that day. Listen, we don't always have a, 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 a son or a child that's trying to encourage you to invite people to church, but sometimes the Lord, the Lord just allows His Holy Spirit to remind you, hey, lovest thou me more than these? What do you love? You see, in this account recorded by, God, uh, by John, under God's inspiration, remi- we're reminded that God uses even a broken life. Your life may be broken. Your life may be a lot like Peter. You may have failed. You may have run. And we'll see that as we go into the next message there in verses 1 through 14. But listen, what we see is that in Peter's life, he was a man who had failed miserably, but Christ in His steadfast love walked beside him through it all. And I remind you that today, if we're ever to see the power of God in your lives, in our family, in our church, it will come not because we're proud and like the Pharisees that are cleansed on the outside and are just rotten on the inside, but because we come humbly before the throne of grace and we say, God, forgive me, I'm a broken man in need of you. And the Bible says in 2 Chronicles 7.14, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, not lift up themselves, but humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and will heal their land. You see, it took tragedy for Peter to be able to be used of God. But what about our life? What about your life? Your life may feel broken. You may be in the midst of a tragedy. And I just want to remind you that Jesus, just as He came to Peter, comes to your heart today and speaks to you and said, listen, do you love me more than these? Because without Him, you can do nothing. The second thing we see about this interaction is a steadfast love also is determined to trust. Aren't you thankful that the Lord didn't just leave Peter, but He and uh, instilled within him again that calling in his life. He reminded him, listen, I am not done with your life. You see, Christ wasn't finished with Peter. He desired to lift him from the pit and bring him to, a, uh, to the pulpit. Amen. He wanted to use this life in a great way. The psalmist, in a moment of lamentation, cried out unto the Lord, and he testified in Psalms 40 and verses 2 and 3. He said, He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon the rock, and established my goings. He hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many 
many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. You see, the psalmist, as he writes this, he says, listen, God took a life that was broken and in the wrong place and He set my feet upon the rock once again. You see, each, with each time he asked Peter if he loved him, he reminded him there was a call, there was a purpose in his life. You know what he was saying? I'm not done with you yet, Peter. I'm not finished with your life. He told Peter, feed my sheep. And in this moment, it was impossible for Peter to see in his despair how God could possibly use his life. And that's pretty common. You know, when we, we go through times where we feel apart from the Lord, it's, it's common for us to be blinded by the God of this world. And one of the things that I, I love is that Jesus Christ, again, three times fed into His life, Three times he reinforced the call in his life. And it's unique in, is that in this situation is Christ's instructions are a little different each time in the original language. First, the word that Christ here was to tell Peter to shepherd the flock. He says, listen, I want you to tend to the flock. The second thing we see as he says, feed my sheep, was he said, listen, I don't want you just to lead my flock, but I want you to feed my flock. He says, I want you to take and I want you to make sure that you become that shepherd. And God uses Peter. If you go on and you read in your Bible in Acts chapter number 2, you'll see the day when the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, that Peter stood up and he, uh, he preached a charge that God used where 3,000 people were saved. But listen, we often go back to that day and say, man, what a great thing. But that wasn't all Peter did. Through, God, through God's uh, calling and God's power in his life, Peter would later uh, continue to pastor and minister in the church in Jerusalem. He would go out and he would strengthen other churches. But this is what he wrote later in his life in 1 Peter 5, verses 2 through 4. As he wrote to other pastors, he said, Feed the flock of God. What was it that Christ said to him? Feed my sheep. He said, listen, he said, that, that calling that I had in my life when I had failed, when it seemed like that everything was broken and wrong, he said, I, I'm just call, call you back to what Jesus said to me on the shore side. He said, it was just simply feed the flock of God which is among you. Taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre or money, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. And this is something that he would write later. No longer the proud, arrogant young man that always stuck his foot in his mouth, but instead in verse number 6, he would open his mouth and he would begin to write this, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God. You know what he learned? God's grace is sufficient. Though he went through tragedy, he learned a wonderful lesson about the love of God. It is a steadfast love. It will never let you go. Would you look in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8? Romans chapter 8, and we're going to finish with this little thought here from Romans 8 this morning. Romans 8, verses 38 through 39. I know that you probably, you've heard this, you've read this, but I want you to go back to this in your mind. And I want you to remind yourself, and once again, because the devil is always trying to convince us. Listen, God doesn't love you like He loved Peter. Look at all the things that Peter did. But listen, Christ loved Peter before He did anything of value. You see, because our love that God the love that God has for us is not dependent on what you do. His love is dependent upon Him alone. 
Romans 8.38 says, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor heights, nor death, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Did you catch that this morning? Church, let me just remind you that you may be a Peter. You maybe, you are, uh, maybe you feel more like a Judas Iscariot who has forsaken the Lord. And I just remind you that even, even in those last moments that Christ loved Peter into the very end, the Bible says that He loved them unto the end. He didn't give up on Peter, Judas. He didn't give up on Peter. And listen, He doesn't give up on our life today. He loves you with an everlasting love. And He invites you today to put your faith, your hope, your confidence in Him alone. This world may turn its back on you, but but God never will. This world may cast you out, but God never will. He says in, in Psalms chapter number 27, He says, Though my father and mother forsake me, the, then the Lord will pick me up. He says, It is the Lord that is faithful. It is the Lord that carries me through. It is the love of God that is steadfast. It's sure. It's strong and it endures. Thank you so much for joining us today. It is such a privilege to share God's Word with you. If God has spoken to your heart because of the message, Stop right now and respond to whatever it is God is asking of you. Don't wait another minute. You can pray right where you're at and ask God for His help. If this message has helped you in any way, we would love to hear from you. Let us know if you have any questions or we can help you with your decision. Jesus asked His disciples, Who do ye say that I am? And he offers the same question to you today. What would your answer be?